There's a shortage of perfect breasts in the world. Would be a pity to damage yours. Welcome in to the Bro Four Squad podcast, where we're just a bunch of bros drinking beer and talking movies. This is episode 151, and I am your host, the Mayor Jeff Hornacek. Thank you guys so much for joining us for the movie discussion tonight. It's going to be a good one. Before we dive in, let's go around and meet the fellow bro, and we go into the paint to our enforcer, Matt Geiger. Now, Geiger, it's uh, I'm surprised you're not wearing black because it's a bit of a funeral today, as we just found out that the winner of the Kentucky Derby, Medina Spirit, might be stripped of his title for doping. And I have to ask for your stance on performance-enhancing drugs and sports. As someone who I know who loves to hit the long ball in slow-pitch softball leagues, how do you feel about this? I mean, I don't know too much about horse racing, but Bob Baffert um, gave one of the greatest uh, I'm sorry, I'm not sorry speeches ever. Where basically, like, horse racing doesn't have a Bob, Bob Baffert problem. It just has a uh, horse racing problem. And he also um, said basically this was a, a form of cancel culture, which is... <laughs> I don't, I don't think he understands what that means. I did hear his excuse, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said that uh, a human had urinated in the hay that the horse was eating, and that had ruined the toxicology report, which I got to say, that's pretty clever. Like, that's pretty good as far as spin control. Well, and he also said that, you know, a bunch of people are touching this horse and stuff, so I guess if, like, Jose Canseco, who's juiced to the gills or something, comes up and touches a horse, then, I mean... It, so you're you're telling me if I go up to someone that's ripped at the gym and they're juice and they touch me that I'm going to test positive for steroids? It's very interesting. However, I would like to say, can we just do like one year where like steroids is not illegal in sports and just see what happens? It really. I'm fine with that. It's like the purge, right? Let's just do one. Let's do one one season for every sport and see what happens. The problem with it in horse racing, and I'll tell you why. Because when A-Rod and stuff did it, it's their choice. A horse can't actually, like, say, yeah, man, like, I- I'll take that. Like, that's kind of fucked up. <laughs> they can't speak for themselves that they want to take it or not. I guess, it, yeah, that's a pretty good point. <laughs> 30 bucks back to your wife, because that's kind of a... If those are the excuses that Baffert went with, I want to see the ones he told his publicist, like, no, I can't use that. No, we can't use it. Like, if, if that's the one that won out, like, what are the ones he didn't choose? It's Google him. He's basically a cross. Like, if Ric Flair and Ashley Schaefer had a baby, it'd be Bob Baffert. It's a great... Yeah, that's exactly what he is. He's the Venn diagram in between those two people. He's, like, the where the two circles intersect. All right, well, if you have not checked out our show before, we start every episode off with the most important thing in any bro's life, and that is chess day. And today we're actually doing a... Uh, Soup du jour, which, by the way, Matt, is uh, soup of the day. Soup of the day. <laughs> that sounds good. I'll have that. Um, well, we're each going to bring our own chess day topic to the table to discuss. Um, we have not really planned this beforehand, but uh, there was actually quite a bit in the news this past week. Not like massive stuff, but the summer movie season is about to kick off, so I think we're starting to get rumblings on projects, some trailers, uh, actors confirming or denying their involvement in some things. Uh, and then just some speculation on what might happen in some of these movies. So a lot out there. Matt, what would you uh, like to do for your lift today? Um, and how can I spot you? Let's talk about the Venom trailer that you sent me. I was having a great day until you sent it. I'm sorry, man. And the one quote I love is that I think it was a director or producer. like, this, this, this does not have any 
any quarrel at all to um, the Spider-Man universe or the Marvel. But they said it almost like fans wanted it to be. Well, then it says Avengers on one of the newspapers that a cop is reading. It makes no fucking sense at all. But the, the trailer, once again, I think we did a review on this. So you can check it out. Good movie. Not a Venom movie. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. it's a funny rom-com, but it's, it's just not a Venom movie. Whenever, and now they're just going even more in-depth on the, oh, I'm hungry, you got to eat and everything, which Venom in the comics never was. It was almost like... I guess you would get a little more hungry because of testosterone boosting. It's basically just a, a, a cure, kind of a ploy on steroids. But since he's an anti-hero, they can't really do that. And even Woody Harrelson, who they teased kind of at the end, uh, the first one, I thought would be really interesting. But, I mean, it, this just looks – it looks terrible. It looks absolutely fucking bad. It takes a lot for me to say that, like, I don't think Woody Harrelson belongs in a project. And – I mean, he's having fun with this role, but Cletus Ca- – I mean, I don't know. Cletus Cassidy is a serial killer. Like, I don't see Harrelson as that. And the, I think maybe a lot of it, too, is the wig they put on him. Just looks fu- He looks like Sideshow Bob, which is kind of atrocious. The other thing, too, from the trailer, Andy Serkis is directing this. And I know he did, like, that darker version of Jungle Book that not a lot of people saw but supposedly is kind of decent. But this feels way more poppy than, number one, the Venom property should be. And maybe they're just marketing it this way, but this did not feel at all uh, like the type of way to introduce Carnage into this. I guess you can call it a franchise at this point. But um, let's have Venom, you know, be in February, and I, that was when the last one dropped. Like, let's have it be like a Valentine's movie that you can take a date to. I'm like, why can't it be more like, you know, and I, they might flip this around, but Morbius trailers that look just really fucking dark. Like, it'd basically be like taking the crow and be like. Let's make this like a Valentine's thing. Like he lost his wife and he's like, oh, shucks. That, that sucks. Will I love again? Guys back that did this. I get it from like a, a monetization standpoint. Like every studio says, okay, every superhero title we have licensing to, Sony in this case, you know, the Spider those need to be our big money makers. So we need to release them in the summer and they need to be widely accessible to audiences, meaning like let's make them a little more poppy and a little more funny. But a lot of this source material just doesn't fit that. Like, you can't fit a square peg into a round hole. Like, who are you fooling with this? You're going to upset the Venom fans. And I think the first one, people kind of gave it a little bit of a pass because it was Tom Hardy. And we said, well, you're setting up Cletus Cassie and Carnage in the second one. We've never seen him on the big screen. All right, I'm at least interested enough. But I don't know. I was pretty excited for this until I saw the trailer. I'm not going to act like I'm not going to fucking go see it. I am. But it just does not look like the bill of goods that I thought I was going to get from a Venom and Carnage. Like, how are they going to do Carnage? Is he going to be a joke, too, like Venom is? Is he going to be, like, instead of hungry, he's going to be thirsty all the time? That'd be a good comedy. Maybe he needs, like, a. they can do some marketing. Like, he needs a 7-Up. It's the problem with the superhero genre is basically, like, okay, uh, we need your, we have Venom, right? Okay, well, we want to do a rom-com, so let's make Venom a rom-com. It's like, have you read the comic? Like, you can't do that. And I understand it's just one trailer, so people out there might be like, well, just fucking, you know, watch it. Give it a chance. And we will, but right now, this is the only message that we have of it. So to not react to this, it would almost seem disingenuous. If I love the trailer, I'd be like, fuck yeah, let's go. Also, I don't know what I really expected, but I'm kind of pissed that they only show us, and I get the, some of the CGI might not be finished, but we only see Carnage once, and it's like really poorly lit, so you don't even really get to see what he looks like. He did kind of look badass, but... 
guess. I don't want him to Zack Snyder and basically give away the whole fucking movie in the first teaser trailer, but I I was just I knew it would suck. But like what's Tom Hardy doing? He was so careful about his roles that he was taking like stupid indie fucking roles that no one saw, and now he's just part of this Venom franchise that no one cares about. I don't know, man. After after the Dark Knight Rises, you're like, dude, this guy. I mean, he's like, buy stock man. now, yeah. Jesus, and he's like, what if I did Taboo, a show on TNT or whatever the fuck channel is? Oh, FX. Wow, we just gave him a free pass for that. You and Banner reviewed the first episode of that, and you were both like, no. Nah, and Tom Hardy, like Banner, we're gonna review every episode. And after the first episode, Banner's like, when's the next week? I said, I'm out. This is fucking stupid. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I mean, again, Tom Hardy is, regardless, he's still a very interesting actor to me. Like the way, he, like you said, the way he picks his projects is kind of like, huh, that's the one he decided to do. And of course, I'm going to see it because no movies last summer. I'm going to probably see everything in theaters this year. But early returns, not promising. <laughs> also, I just got to say, I don't really understand what a teaser trailer is anymore because this was listed as a teaser trailer and it's like two minutes, 40 seconds long. Like, at a certain point, the teaser trailer is going to be like the first act, and it's like, yeah, that whet your appetite. Call it a slut trailer. It's not teasing it anymore. Exactly. Yeah, it's not a it's not a tease if you walk out with your top off. <laughs> kind of is. All right, for my chest day topic, actually, we're going to stay in the realm of Spider Man, um, and kind of an interesting uh, series of events has begun to play out. So. To preface this, uh, obviously, Spider Man No Way Home comes out in December of this year. It's now that Godzilla vs. Kong is over with, it's probably my next most anticipated movie of the year. Um, and the rumors have been flying fast and furious on this one. Alfred Molina came out and confirmed that he is reprising his role as Doc Ock from Spider-Man 2 in the film. And Andrew Garfield, Jamie Foxx, is reprising his role as Electro. Um, <laughs> so there's some multiverse component to it. And so Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield have long been rumored to return as uh, their respective spider man and Andrew Garfield went on the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast this past week with the. I had to quickly cut you off. There's nothing to ruin. It's so crazy, dude. It's fucking hilarious to me. I do have this Twitter account and I see how often Spider-Man is trending and it's people freaking out about a thing. I wish I could be able to speak to everyone and just say, I recommend you chill. Garfield then added that he couldn't speak for other possible actors only for himself when Horvitz insisted and asked for a straight yes or no answer. Garfield avoided the question, adding, quote, I would have gotten a call by now. That's all I'm saying. I don't want to ruin anything. Maybe they're going to call me and say, hey, people want this. Maybe it's a market research thing. So I have a two-tiered question here, Matt. First thing I'll just ask, based on what Andrew Garfield said, I mean, he could have just said, no, I'm not in the movie. Notice the word no doesn't come up anywhere there. Do you believe him that he's not in Spider-Man No Way Home? I believe him. I think they just go with Toby. I I just go with Toby Maguire. Um, Well, I can see him just going with Toby this one and then maybe Andrew on another one or something. But with Electro in it as Jamie Foxx, how do you explain? Jamie Foxx won the first call, right? Like, um, <laughs> William Defoe just didn't answer back. And then I think they're going with one villain from each of the franchises. Um, it on Jamie. 
Yeah. Supposedly Kirsten Dunst is coming back as well. I would like her to come back. Is Topher Grace going to come back? Oh, my God. Can you imagine? He'd get, probably start getting death threats again. Okay, so, so sorry. Do you or do you not believe that he is in the film? You do believe he's not in the film? He's in the film. Sorry, say that again? I don't think he's in the film. I, they're okay. not going to bring everyone back. I think Toby is. I'll believe Toby is and then the other ones, but I don't think Andrew is. So the second part of my question, and this is sort of the more overarching one, do you think he or other actors should be honest about their involvement in projects like this, or do you prefer and basically feel that he's inclined to protect some surprises for audiences? And basically if Marvel asks him to lie, like, hey, don't tell people you're in this, that that's commendable? Or do you think, dude, you need to tell us if you're in this movie? No, what does he owe some, you know, freckled face nerd asking him this fucking question who care who gives a shit i mean just like i mean jeff does your mom tell you what's in every fucking christmas box on december 8th <laughs> like you got eight yeah i'm glad you said that i completely agree because the internet has been like if he's fucking lying to us i swear to god like dude in this day and age we need actors to straight up be dishonest to keep surprises i still remember Marion cotillard uh, lying about being Talia Al Ghul, like some, and she was on her game. Like someone asked her at a red carpet, "Hey, did you read the comics to research for your character at all?" And she goes, "Well, Miranda Tate isn't in the comics, so I didn't really have anything to go off of." I was like, "Fuck yeah, nice!" <laughs> like she was prepared. Uh, I like it, man. I I want to. I mean, that's why you pay to go to the theater, right? To see, not to be surprised every time, but to be entertained. And if you know everything going on, then why even fucking pay and go and see it? Yeah, this is one around Christmas time. I know our families will probably be in town, but we should make a point to go. Even if we take our moms or something, we should go together. And if he shows up, we should be like, you sly motherfucker. I'll be I'll be like double happy now that he lied to us about it. Like they're like, what are you doing here at the bar? Like in your movie that was like, no, Andrew Garfield showed up. He's a lying fuck. I'm not, I'm not going to see that. So what we're going to do, we're going to have two more whiskey sours. We're going to find his address on the Internet. Matt and I are just going to drive by and we just want to talk to him. That's all we want to do. I don't know if that sounds safe. Why is Matt wrapping barbed wire around a bat? Be the one that they would like. Oh, let's leave him to be a surprise. And the only person excited will be Banner. Well, Toby hasn't been confirmed yet. That's true. Banner will be like, oh, best Spider-Man ever. And then he'll get jumped in the fucking, like, ramp down out of the theater. Um, get in the back like, of line, Tom Holland. Andrew Garfield <laughs> to act here. <laughs> but, uh, I, I mean, Toby hasn't been confirmed either. I'm assuming if they asked him, he would say that. I mean, there, there's no way if they asked. Alfred Molina kind of got some shit for revealing he's in the movie. He talked way too much about his role. I won't spoil it for you, but he even says, like, where his character picks up from Spider-Man 2. They're like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Like, <laughs> this is supposed to be a secret. But uh, Toby, I would imagine, is like, would play dumb as well if he was asked. And I'm sure he will be asked soon. I just don't know why he would be he's, here. I really want to see. He's my Spider-Man. Yeah. I think he's kind of our whole generations, which would be cool. Andrew Garfield, it would almost be like, hey, man, uh, we liked you in the role, and we understand you're just in some shitty movies. Not really your fault. Like, if you want to come hang out for a day or two, put the suit back on again. In the stone come. Yeah, I mean, spoilers for Spider Amazing Spider-Man 2. Skip ahead 30 seconds if you haven't seen it. But uh, her character does die, but Doc Ock dies also. So maybe they're picking it up at a previous point in the franchise. But so far, both Spider-Men rumored uh, one villain from each of their franchises and uh, Kirsten Dunst's Mary Jane all rumored to return. I also think if he's going through the multiverse, because Doctor Strange is confirmed in his movie, this is our first view of uh, Deadpool in the MCU. 
And there's a hilarious bunch of ways they can introduce him. Say that again. So big things happening. For, uh, as, as T.I. once said, big shit popping and little shit stopping. Was that him or is that the Bible? It was both. He got it from the Bible. Got it. He's a New Testament guy, I know, so he's always... All right, uh, Matt, anything else before we move on to our, our protein shake? No, uh, pretty pumped for Fast 9. I mean, just... <clears throat> like, I... Do you... <laughs> I read today... Batista said no because he's doing something else. Like you, you can't have John Cena, The Rock, and Batista all in a movie. Like last Dave, movie, Dave Batista. Dave Batista had some crazy quotes this week. Um, he said that Marvel dropped the ball by not doing a Drax solo movie. I was like, dude, we're not going to give every dude who popped up in the background at the bar a fucking solo movie. Like, where does that fit in their slate? Also, you're like the you speak in like haikus. It's uh. <laughs> Like, his character, to, yeah. No. What would you even do with that? What would you do with that for an hour and a half? I don't fucking know. He's one of those guys who's like, I don't know. He's really not handling his success very well in the sense that, like, you need, like, you can be very successful in Hollywood if you understand your role. If you start thinking you're not Dave Bautista, then that's when we might run into some trouble, if that makes sense. He thinks he's, like, a serious actor. I don't know, man. That new Army of the Dead movie that Zack Snyder actually wrote and directed that's coming out on Netflix, that's getting decent reviews, and, and he's, I guess, top build in it. But, like, what is that? It's a fun zombie heist movie romp? Like, yeah, you're Dave Bautista. That's what I would expect you to be in. Let's not sit here and act like you're some leading man that needs heavy subject matter and dialogue in a film. Did you like him when he was a wrestler? He's fine. So I mean, when he kind of made the transition to movies, were you like, okay, good for him? Or were you like, dude, fuck this guy? I didn't think he'd make it at all. I thought Cena would because he kind of has a personality and there's like a space for him and stuff. But I was like, Batista, I mean, he wasn't one, like when you think of like Stone Cold and The Rock on the mic, like Batista was not that. He was not very good talker. Right, right, right. That's why I, did, I was like, he doesn't really have that big a personality. It's also kind of funny. He got draxed after Jason Momoa turned it down. So he's sitting here acting like he should have gotten this uh, huge runway and all these other projects character, but like, did you want even the first choice for that role? Oh, and I think you could argue Momoa's. Yeah, Momoa turned down Drax, which I could see him in the role too. It just would have been a little bit different. So before, like, right during Game of Thrones, I mean, he wasn't. It's interesting. Right. Yeah, that was before he got cast. I mean, it was close, but it was before he got officially cast as Aquaman. I think the first Guardians was 14. Yeah. And when was when was BVS? Like 15, 16? And he was cast before that, right? Yeah. It's interesting. So around the same time. All right. Uh, let's move on to our protein shake, where we go around and talk about what is in our cup, also known as what have we watched lately. And Matt, it's been a while since we were on pod, because episode... 150 was actually the uh, Broskers, so we haven't got to talk about what we've seen lately in a while. Um, I'll get one off my uh, out of my cup real quick because it's one that we watched together, and you, Banner, and I did a movie from 1980. Go ahead and check that. Watch it with us. YouTube channel. It's uh, Matt, what do you remember from watching Predator? This was actually your idea because you won our Broforce Squad trivia contest, and this was the movie you chose us to all sit down. 
I've watched it wanted to for a while with you guys, and it holds up, man. It's a fun watch. It's pretty quick, too, if I remember right, like hour 40. Um, just actually it was before its time when, you know, people would get like just totally juiced out of their mind to go fucking play a role. Like all these guys were in fucking awesome shape. And the directorial style of it was way before its time, The Predator. I liked it. It was fun. And, of course, it, you know, had all the racial and, you know, basically A, a plus B <laughs> things that we've come accustomed to in action movies. So we, we loved it. We had a good time. You guys have to check it out. One of my favorite Guess stories, whether – Actually. Yeah. Guess whether or not the Native American in the group is the tracker. Take a wild guess. I do love. I I say this. Eighties action movies. There's just a certain itch that only they can scratch. You know, right. movies that at the time were so self serious, and then in retrospect, you're like, God, you're just failing so miserably at everything you want to do. But in a weird way, it still works artistically. And the thought of Arnold Schwarzenegger kicking the shit, or at least trying to kick the shit out of some extraterrestrial in the jungle. <laughs> I mean, I don't need to. I don't need any more details. I'm sold, right there. So he's so dangerous that you know we're not going to call our military. We're actually going to just hire this team that you know basically answers to no one, not the president, not the commander in chief, and also they work alone. So don't send any help or backup. We're good. I love we when have- a group of nine says they work alone. He's like, well, first off, there's nine of you, so I don't really know if that's maybe the best way to describe <laughs> your uh, work style. Like, literally, like, you don't have to have these guys do anything. Just, like, you know, I'll give you 500 troops just station where you – no, we work alone. So you'd rather die than – yes, we'd rather die than work with someone else. What part of that's confusing to you? The, the you'd rather die part is the confusing part. Uh, we played, actually, action movie bingo to it, which I linked in the description of the commentary, which is essentially uh, a site that we created where – we didn't create it, but we found it – where you can – input action movie tropes which we've listed out like there's probably 30 of them and you make your own bingo card from them and every time they take place you take a drink and try to get bingo good stuff fun little game all right matt what have you uh, what's something you watched lately i have a lot let's first talk about and this is something that you'll really be into because i bet you haven't watched it but a on a and e each week they are doing wrestling biographies <laughs> Oh, you told me this. And uh, it started about three weeks ago. The first one was Stone Cold Steve Austin, which was fucking phenomenal. Um, it's very interesting, too, because when we were kids, you know, you had ECW, you had WCW, you had WWF, and you had, you know, there was a lot of them. But Stone Cold, or uh, called Stunning Steve Austin, was in WCW with long blonde hair, and they just didn't know what the fuck to do with him, and they fired him. So he went to WWF, and Vince McMahon's like, hey, you're going to be the ringmaster. You're like the master of the ring, and I'm going to put you with the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase. And then I think it was about six months, DiBiase left for WCW, and Vince McMahon's like, I don't know. Just let him do whatever he wants. Like, I'm kind of about ready to just fire him. And then he came up with the Stone Cold Steve Austin gimmick, and then the rest was fucking history. It's it's really interesting how – you know, some of these guys didn't work in one territory, then they will go to the other and they become the biggest fucking star ever. I mean, Jeff, it's kind of like a baseball player. Like when you're like, man, we had that. Chris Davis comes to mind. Like yeah. we had that guy. And like now he's raking with the Orioles. Like what the fuck's, you know, what, what didn't we do with him? Or was it just a, you know, a timing thing? Was it, 
you know, going to a different place, different scenery. Um, there was another one on Macho Man, which was really good. And what's great about this is they're all different. It's basically like 30 for 30s. They're all different directors. Uh, okay, I have two questions. Number one, the um, basically like how uh, pointed is the narrative in these documentaries? Like, is it kind of like The Last Dance where it's, let's just tell you about their life? Or do they get into some, I mean, maybe not with Stone Cold, but with Macho Man, do they get into some of the darker aspects of his life and especially his demise or is it do they kind of keep it sort of surface level like they all kind of get not just like they're not just talking about wrestlemania 20 they wrestle like stone cold talks about you know his drinking habit and how he didn't want to fucking go do it anymore and you know how he got basically a huge attitude he just walked out of the company one day macho they really talk about his controlling personality with miss elizabeth and how Whenever he would wrestle, he would like lock her in his room so no one could get in. Oh my God. Uh, Roddy Piper uh, was one, another one. He's not with us anymore. That was a really interesting one about how he, just how nuts he was and stuff. They do get, because wrestling, that's what's great about wrestling. It's not, we know what happened at WrestleMania 18. We want to know like behind the scenes shit. Yeah. Uh, it's all of them are very interesting. Booker T's came out this week. I watched like 15 minutes. Ooh, I'll check that one out. Um, do they, they have the list of the future ones coming out? Like, I'm wondering, I'm a sick person, but like, will we get a Chris Benoit one? Or are they just going to totally avoid stuff like that? No, this is WWF. They're not going to touch that. Okay. <laughs> no. well, what about even like the Hardy brothers, right? Like they've had. Yeah, this, they're going to do Bret Hart. They're going to do Shawn Michaels, which would be a really interesting one because he was all pilled up half his career. But I mean, it's, it's very fun. And it's like. What about like Eddie Guerrero? He's not slated, I don't think. Okay. This is something Annie, I think, is going to run with. It's interesting, though. Like, I've seen the uh, the viewership on these, and they're, like, through the fucking roof, man. Like, people still into wrestling, but, like, wrestling nowadays is just too poppy. It's not, you know, it's not badass. It's not funny anymore. Say what you want. The wrestling community supports their shit. Like, they do. Those- they're the most loyal fan base ever, for sure. And they remember people even more than probably sports fans. Like, Stone Cold, like... I mean, like he's still like a god in wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> like, just so it's it's a good watch, man. If you if you ever were, and I guarantee you, if you're on this pod, some you listen to this pod sometime, you probably watch wrestling. One of these is going to be for you, depending on your age. It was Piper, Macho Man, Stone Cold, Booker T. I mean, is even kind of newer than Stone Cold. So, you know who was always my favorite as a kid was Rob Van Dam. I, I mean, I doubt he's big enough to get. Done. I don't think. Have they done I, Kurt Angle, or do you know if he's on the slate? Bret Hart. I there's a lot of them I really liked. Kurt Angle's got an interesting story too, from obviously like Olympic. Was he a gold medalist? Yeah, Olympic gold medalist wrestler. The, he's the one that said came at a. If he was like a little younger, they think that he was going to be the Brock Lesnar go to the UFC because he. But by that time, he had like eight neck injuries and was addicted to pills. And- right. He had uh, it was like one of the painkillers that he had an issue with. That's interesting. A <clears throat> and E has these. Is there like any name to the series, or it's just just, just biographies? They are kind of known for their biographies. They are very good. I, I will say that. I wonder if they have like an on-demand app or something I can watch them on. Because I've cut the cord completely, but you know I have my ways. You go to Andy right now, one of them's probably on. Sweet. Uh, 
We'll just go back and forth. I uh, saw, and this was a little while back now when it was released on HBO Max, but I saw Godzilla vs. Kong, which was my most anticipated movie of the year. And I got to just say, man, it's exactly what I wanted it to be. Like, it's not here to tell a story. It's here to give you what you want, which is two titans of the big screen. I mean, way past their heyday, but on on screen, beating the shit out of each other. Happened 10 years ago. Right. <laughs> They're both and for the people who are, I mean, it's crazy with these movies because I always find myself so uninterested in the human characters. And in this, one of the two human stories in this one, I was just straight up annoyed by because it was just attempts at humor that were falling flat on their face. But I don't really know. Like you and I kind of started the podcast with the premise of like, let's not just complain about something. Let's be constructive, right? Like, okay, we get you didn't like that. What would you have done differently? And I really can't complain about the human characters in Godzilla vs. Kong because I don't know what I would have done with them. Like you have to have them there to kind of get us from fight to fight. But there's really nothing they can do that I'd be like, okay, yeah, that seems like an acceptable inclusion of them. Like, the Kong stuff was cool. I like that. The stuff with Monarch, which you have to do to... I won't spoil anything if you haven't seen the movie, but to get us to the final set piece. You know, what's their problems going to (laughs) be? Right. And this one, I will say, they didn't try and put, like, a love story in it or introduce, like... There's really no human conflict. Um, Well, there can't be, Jeff. It's like, oh, uh, Gary Gary and Tina might get a divorce. Things aren't working out. It's like, well, literally a fucking... (laughs) T-Rex lizard thing in a fucking... Can we talk about that after this happens? Like, I mean, who cares if it doesn't work out? The world's probably going to end anyway. When Godzilla breathes fire... Remember... <laughs> uh, Gareth Edwards' Godzilla in 2014, though, do you remember, like, that was the one with Cranston and Elizabeth Olsen. That actually had, like... It's a good movie. It's a really good movie. But uh, they spent a lot of time building up the human characters. I think because that's what they thought people wanted. In fact, I don't even think Godzilla shows up until like the 35-minute mark in that film, which is kind of a travesty. Is that Godzilla, this Godzilla? Yes. The one with Cranston? Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I, I remember when we were kids, the Matthew Broderick one, when P. Diddy did the song for it. Jesus Christ. That was just a fucking terrible movie. We've come a long way. That's back when, like, the soundtrack was, like, basically part of the film. We've yes. evolved the species a lot since then. Good for us. So Godzilla vs. Kong, I'll say this. If it's a movie that you thought you would like when you heard the announcement of it, you will love it. If it's a movie that you rolled your eyes and said, dude, why the fuck do we need this? Then I would stay away from it. Like, there's no... It is what you would think it would be. But it's a blast, and, uh, I mean, I want the next one. I'm sure they'll make another one, right? Max, it's not on, like, the, like, what people, like, trending or whatever tab. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, now I think about it. So they said with their new releases, they're only putting them out for a month and then pulling them, so you go see it in theaters. But I did see Wonder Woman 84 just came back today, yesterday. Versus Kong in on there because I haven't seen it on HBO Max. Okay, yeah, they might have taken it off to try and get you to go see it in theaters, which weird because I thought it'd be right by Justice League or something. Yeah, which if you want to go see it in theaters, I'll get shit faced and go see it in theaters again with you. Don't threaten me with a good time. Let's get the wives and go. Where I have a USA tank top that would actually be perfect to root for Kong. No. We could bring dumbbells and do bicep curls in the aisle. From here. 
All right. Uh, what else have you watched? All right. So I got HBO Max, and the first thing I watched is uh, it was Mother's Day, and I had a sinus infection, and my wife was going to dinner or with her mom or something, and she took the kid. So I, I was like, I must have four hours, so let's watch Justice League. Um, <laughs> well, you watch it all in one sitting. Pretty much. The kid Obviously with like breaks. I kind of watched him for about thirty minutes, then he took a nap, and I finished it. That's, ah, that's a, which leads me to my fourth point, Jeff. Thank you for foreshadowing. Don't ever watch this in one fucking setting. <laughs> uh, I watched Watchmen in one setting too, and I was just like, why is this so fucking long? And I almost started writing down to myself stuff where I would cut because Snyder also like doesn't know how to cut his movies. Now every director has stuff that is left on the cutting room floor, as they say. But Snyder cuts shit that actually makes sense in the movie. He won't take a 15-minute song or an intro song that intros a character and cut it down to three, you know, three minutes. No, no, no. He'll actually cut like dialogue or a whole character out that fucking makes sense in the story arc. But this movie is way too fucking long. Um, is it better than Josh Whedon's? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, the shit I just took is better than Josh Whedon's. Is, this is the thing, man. Is like, did it lead me wanting more? Yes, but if you would have told me right afterwards, hey man, here's another movie that's, you know, the Legion of Doom or something, but it's four hours long, I'll just be like, you know what, I'll catch you in a couple weeks, I'm just kind of fucking, yeah. you know, dry it out now, and I'm a DC guy, and I've been, I've been really interested in seeing this movie, I will say a couple things, uh, Momoa was about the same, I loved him in the, you know, the original one. They actually gave Batman stuff to do, which I liked. He wasn't just comic relief for some fucking reason. Which, who says, like, hey, you know who should be the one, like, delivering the jokes? We have this brooding Ben Affleck Batman who we had uh, in the last movie murdering people. He seems like the guy who should be walking out there with a rubber chicken and a whoopee cushion, right? And he had he had jokes in it. I mean, at the very end. Uh, Clark, but they felt in character, you know? Yeah, when they got the house, he's like, how'd you get the house from the bank? And Bruce is like, I bought the bank. Like, that's funny. Yes, and that's something Bruce Wayne would say. Uh, Henry Cavill, I I got his character. It made sense. Um, I would have to say Flash still annoys me. I like that Darkseid was in it, but there's so much shit on Darkseid where they where they would, like, tell a story. Like, this is just a CGI fest, too. Like, I, I just... Yeah. There's not the man for this. I will say this. It was... It, I liked his vision. His story is great. It's his directing that just gets me. I just can't fucking do it. It just too long. He's just it, I, I don't know how to describe it. There's a lot of stuff where he does doom and gloom that I'm like, this is kind of cool directing. But then he'll do just like fucking Watchmen where he'll just do some Bob Dylan song, which I'm like, this is a good song. But why the fuck is it here? It makes no sense. Now, a lot of people are saying, and maybe even Zack Snyder said this, but the um – epilogue like the part after the movie ends essentially where it's like the nightmare sequence that that is basically like the majority if not almost all of what they reshot and that was kind of his hey this is what i would have done if i got a sequel how do you feel about that stuff specifically i if that was a sequel i would have fucking hated it we're basically superman i i know so basically it's injustice but it's into yes. the shit which i fucking hate and like, I still don't understand what made him tip. They say it's Lois. Like, what, did Lois die? 
Uh, I heard two different things. Lois dying is the one I like better. The other one is that Lois had like an affair with Bruce. Okay. That one's stupid because they, they're already making fun of our moms are the same name. And then right. okay. imagine him killing all of earth because his girlfriend cheated on him or his fiance cheated. On him. Is this a hand job? I didn't even finish. Yeah. She was at a frat party. Like everyone was doing it. I don't really know what you expect. I, I don't. I mean, what's what's Darkseid doing then? If Superman's a bad guy. Well, I think uh, Superman like taking out the Justice League opens up him to come to Earth for the anti-life equation. I'm trying to fill in a lot of gaps here, but a lot of that is just way too much fucking shit going on. Like, I would rather just have a Batman Penguin movie. Uh, I yeah. I I just think it's and you know. And I going back to Marvel when I was like, well, Marvel did it perfectly. And I I don't know about you, but the Avengers movies are not my favorite Marvel movies at all. Like they're yeah, cool yeah. because it all goes down. But there's just too much going on. There's too much character arc. It's too sci-fi. It's too fucking out there. I'd rather just have Spider-Man versus Doc Ock. Like I'd rather just have that movie. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Marvel's definitely not perfect. I think uh, it's NBC... not perfect. It's just no one could do it. It's just too much shit going on. Yeah. And DC has said Snyder is not coming back after this, so I guess the last thing I'll ask is, how do you feel about that decision? Do you want to see him get another crack at something, or at this point, do we have a large enough sample size? We know what he gives us, and uh, even if it's not connected directly, let's get some other DC fare from other directors. Um, Do I want him to come back? Yeah, because they can't make better decisions. I mean, they bring in Josh Whedon. that's That's a bad example because of the circumstance, but I don't trust them to bring in anyone better. I mean... Zack Snyder is he was the right person for the job, but I, I wish he would I wish he was just the overseer, not the director. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because his story and all his ideas are badass. But DC doesn't have a person like that at all. And they, I don't think they want one. I know that he I, I wish they'd hire him in that role. Because he is he does love the characters and he gets the comics and For sure. Stand, you know, how to tease the fans' dicks at the end. Like the ending was fucking badass. It was. But to get there takes three and a half hours, Jeff. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. So and, long. Here's, and I'm with you. I like the, the Snyder Cut a lot. And I like the extended BVS Cut a lot. And I actually like, to a lesser extent, the extended version of Watchmen a lot. But at a certain point, if it takes you four hours or three and a half hours to tell a story that we feel satisfied with and that feels cohesive, I mean, maybe just go to TV or something. Because it, it does not work in the film format. Like, like if this was a five-part series i think you know snyder would be the right guy for the job but i wish they just have him be the overseer because his vision i really like where they're going but him being him doing an injustice movie makes makes my head just want to fucking explode last thing i'll ask which i said that before but i just realized this i think probably the most noticeable difference and i haven't seen this the whedon justice league in probably like two years um but i definitely remember like the horrible inclusion of comedy in it uh, and some of the weird narrative stuff like that family near the power plant that obviously he all he completely added. But I think the biggest difference in the Snyder Cut is uh, the heavy focus on Cyborg. So how do you feel about that? I mean, it, he basically has like his own movie in the Snyder Cut, I feel like. He was asking me a bunch of questions about Flash and Cyborg. And she said, and I agree with her, but she's like, their stories are better than some of the Marvel movies that they gave their own movies to. And I'm For like, sure. absolutely. But they were too unpatient to make it. So they basically just had to tell Cyborg's story really quick. 
And it may leave me wanting more. I would have loved just a cyborg movie. Like the whole football, like him being an athlete and getting injured in the car. Like, that's a cool movie to me. But DC, for some reason, isn't happy with a movie that would have made $450 million and that they would have had to release a year before, you know? It has an African-American lead. Mm-hmm. American superhero right after Chadwick Boseman's gone. Imagine how much money that would have made. And I think Ray Fish is a good actor. We loved him in True Detective. Yeah. And his mother wasn't even in the original one. No. I mean, they cut like 90% of his story out. Like, you didn't even know he kind of had a problem with his father. <laughs> I don't, he just... No. And uh, Leto at the end, um, if I guarantee you everyone stop what they're doing and turn that up to hear what he had to say. And once again, he commands the screen. It's a shame what they did to him in Suicide Squad. If we would have got that Joker, that would have been um, very interesting. It's almost like Zack Snyder there is kind of like shoving David Ayer in a locker. He's like, yeah, dude, you got an Academy Award winning actor in this iconic role. And did you notice that Snyder took off like all the face tattoos too? He was probably like, that, that's fucking stupid. I don't know why he did that. <laughs> Good David for him. Ed, like why? Yeah, he's like, there was just no reason for that, David. Um, all right, something else I watched, uh, I'll just mention briefly because we have a movie commentary out on it, was Saw 5. Cycling and I dropped that, as you're listening to this, probably a week and a half ago. We did that in preparation of Spiral, which, as you're listening to this, our review will probably have dropped as well. Spiral, of course, sort of the soft reboot of the Saw franchise. I'm seeing it tomorrow night. It's my it's Hornacek's return to theaters. I really hope it doesn't suck. And Cycling and I have done all of the Saw movies. We're huge fans of the franchise, so check out our commentary on that. All the Saw movies right now are on HBO Max. <clears throat> How is it a soft reboot? Uh, well, it's basically like what they're doing with Halloween, where like it's in the same universe, it's connected to the movies, but they're taking it, I think it's like a completely new city, and from what I can tell by the trailer, um, it's someone who might have been inspired by Jigsaw. Obviously, like the whole, you know, Is appeal. Is brother who's like, <laughs> easier in Jigsaw and stronger in Jigsaw, and it's John Cena? Oh my god. Been a long time, Dom. Uh, I, I can only hope. If John Cena shows up in this, I think that'll be so absurd that I can't even be angry at this point. <laughs> uh, but Saw 5, check it out. Cycli has some interesting points about where the franchise peaked and started to dip. And Saw 5, I think, is the start of that dip, but there's still some cool stuff in the movie. So check out our commentary on that, which is on YouTube, I, iTunes, Spotify. Um, I have three other things, Matt. How many other things do you have? more um you're gonna love this one so after justice league we put the kid to bed and i told my wife like we got hbo max now because i paid for it and he got game was on so oh, I, he got game enough. i'll just say i was trying to look it came out in 98 so ray allen was a pro damn 98 so he was like a supersonic or a buck mm, i think a buck and, man, I got to tell you, this is a great fucking movie. <laughs> Rosario Dawson is his love interest. Do you remember? She, I did not remember her in that movie at all. Wow. And, of course, Denzel is just a fucking study. Ray Allen can act, though. He's did good. Did Denzel he's get nominated for that? I think he did, right? Yeah, it's a very interesting movie. It's really good, though. Um, and there's a lot of other actors that you would know, like, in there. And then, of course... Like a bunch of NBA players, like Barkley's in it, MJ's in it, 
Shaquille O'Neal's in it just for brief seconds. It's a really good movie. It's on HBO Max now, but uh, basically like Denzel is uh, Ray Allen's Jesus Shuttleworth's dad, and he kills his mom kind of on accident, like a domestic dispute, and he has to go to prison. And <laughs> I mean, I guess it's not too crazy, but the warden calls him in, and he's like, hey, our governor's like a big uh, – they call it big state. That's the college, like big state alumni. So if you're if we let you out for two weeks and you get your son to commit there, then uh, we'll let you walk free for murder. And has I, I can't exactly remember the way the movie starts, but like do him and Jesus have like has Jesus been visiting him in prison or are they basically like estranged because he killed his mom? Yeah. So he had to go that um, he goes on a recruiting trip and bangs a bunch of white chicks. And Rick Fox is like the basketball player that's showing him around. Of like, course. It's weird. Uh, Rick Fox was a really good actor because Fox he had, is such a whore for acting. He's uh, he's in like everything. <laughs> he had to pretend like he'd bang white women, so it's kind of a reach for him. But it's really good, man. You, I love a good college basketball flick. We don't have too many of them. We got like Blue Chips and we got this one, but fucking give it a watch. I believe that's a Spike Lee joint, right? I th- I don't know. Yeah, it is Spike Lee. It's, it seems like one that would be, yeah. Yeah. Nice. HBO Max, I'm telling you, man, their like library of older films is spectacular. My wife, like, let's get rid of Netflix because their movies suck on Netflix. They're, Netflix is losing me, man. And at the price point right now. Yeah, and they don't have any original stuff coming out. Like, you know, they did, you know, they actually had some good movies on there. That Netflix was- is more than Disney Plus. No, man. Netflix, you're in fucking trouble, bro. You better step it up. Um,. <clears throat> I had two things that I watched, but they kind of connect. So Mortal Kombat, the one that just came out, check that out on HBO Max. Um, we did a review on it, which uh, Banner and I did that you should go back and listen to. Uh, this movie I, I liked, but it's way better, which, again, not a huge accomplishment, way better than the previous two installments. And this is, I think, the best you can get out of the source material of Mortal Kombat for a movie. It uh, one thing, Matt, that I think you'd be interested in. So the entire movie, the actual Mortal Kombat tournament doesn't even start yet by the time it ends, which I thought was sort of an interesting setup. So and that's, what are they doing? Just training? <laughs> they're so it's like Shang Tsung basically like trying to kind of take over Earth secretly, like before the Outworld tournament begins. Yeah, while Raiden is like trying to get his team together, so it's sort of cool because, and, and again, it's kind of ballsy to have a Mortal Kombat movie where Mortal Kombat doesn't even happen yet. But the whole time, it's like Raiden trying to like get his squad together, and they're sort of like on the job learning because they have to fucking fight Shang Tsung's people. But it enables you to have like a lot of like two on two fights and kind of group fights that typically like the I don't want to say you're beholden to the concept of mortal Kombat, but like the first movie is almost too rigid where it's like all right sonya blade now is on an island fighting kano you two fight and it gets a little bit boring at times this it's like fucking balls to the wall anybody can fight anybody at any time whenever they show up and there's a scene with goro that is badass i'll probably watch it um the tiger documentary is on my next but yeah uh, i have a bunch of vacation days coming up so i'm gonna like play golf really early on a Thursday and then just come home and drink and watch it. I guess that sounds awesome. And also on HBO max, 
an animated movie, Mortal Kombat Legends Scorpion's Revenge, which I actually really liked. It is insanely graphic and gory. Like, within the first two seconds, not two seconds, two minutes, Sub-Zero probably slices open, like, six people's heads. So it's, like, rated NC-17 as an animated film. This is one I... uh, I got a TV with a fire stick set up in front of my treadmill at my house, and I got some of my best cardio workouts in while I was watching this. It's just people fucking destroying each other's bodies. Pro Peloton. Yeah, it really, that's exactly what it is. (laughs) So, again, it is a horrible movie, but if you just want, like, an adrenaline rush for an hour and ten minutes, check it out. And there's actually some famous voice actors. Joel McHale voices Johnny Cage. And Jennifer Carpenter, who is uh, Dexter's sister in all the seasons of Dexter, she is Sonya Blade. Nice. So some kind of well-known names here. All right, I got one thing left. How about you? Yeah, just one. Um, so HBO Max, so I started watching Entourage again. <laughs> I forgot about this because when I watched it, this wasn't really a thing. But they have a character named Harvey Weingard. No way. Producer that threats to end people's lives if they don't do what he says and stuff. He doesn't, so far, he doesn't really, like, try to sexually molest anyone. But I read more into it, and they said that, actually, Harvey Weinstein, like, threatened to, like, kill Kevin O'Connelly. And, um... Kill? Apparently. Fucking relax, bro. A Harvey Weingard uh, person. And there's a bunch of big people, like James Cameron... Uh, was in a scene with him and he just shook his head. He's like, oh, that's Harvey or something like they're making fun of Harvey Weinstein. And then I read more about it and they're like, yeah, there's only one person in Hollywood that have the balls to do that is Mark Wahlberg because he's the executive producer. And every time someone would say something that like, Weinstein hates it, Wahlberg would just laugh. And he's like, yeah, I don't need his approval anymore. Like I'm Mark Wahlberg and do whatever the fuck I want. And he can't that's kick awesome. off. What, what, like, what's he going to do? It's fucking great. God, that's cool. That show is fucking awesome, though. I'm surprised that I haven't heard of, like, I don't remember that at all. I wasn't as big into the show as you. I mean, I love the show. I just didn't watch it religiously. But I'm surprised no one's brought that back up. Like, hey, go back and check this out, because it was kind of ahead of the game. Yeah, whenever I did it, I was like, oh, that's weird. That's his name. So I looked it up, and they're like, yeah, that's basically a huge rip on Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> Harvey Weinstein. I mean, you can't even argue it. How much more closer could you get to the name? That's what I'm saying. It's almost indefensible. I'm surprised Weinstein... Didn't threaten to sue him or anything. I mean, maybe he did, or maybe he just threatened to kill him. Can't you see, like, Wahlberg, though? It's like, what the fuck are you going to do to me, dude? Like, really? Like, you see my arms? Why don't you come here and fucking say something about it, you fat piece of shit? It's also a problem because that proves, too, that everyone knew this was happening, and, like, no, everyone was just like, yeah, he sucks, but, you know, whatever. It's fucking... Like Manny being Manny at the Red Sox. They're just, <laughs> just the way it is. Like, and I just look at... Round balls, you know? Right, I just look at him and he's such a fat piece of shit. I'm just like, God, I wish people would have just been like, fuck off, bro. The actor they got to play him is really, I mean, it looks just like him. Kind he of. does, he's like a fat, like, yeah, just a five o'clock it, shadow. It's like a piece of shit, yeah. I'll have to check that out. I wonder, do you remember how he, like, exits the show? No, I mean, I've, I've only watched, like, six episodes. Sweet. No, he comes up more, though, because I do remember him. Harvey Weingard, that's hilarious. All right, last thing I watched, and this is on Netflix. Um, it is a movie with Liam Neeson called Unknown. Um, 
You know, I'm a, I'm a big Liam Neeson head, unapologetically. Like, put him in any movie where he's like, I don't understand. <laughs> so the premise here, Matt, not not too... I mean, you could probably guess what it is. Liam Neeson is a... Retired... Say that again? Retired cop, detective, somebody that used to carry a gun for a living. All right, I'm not going to spoil anything. The movie begins and we are told... He is a scientist, okay? He goes on a trip with his wife, played by January Jones, who, while she's gorgeous, she is a horrendous actor. I mean, in this, it was like, that's the best take we got from that, but I digest, as as Peter Griffin would say. But that's because, like, she's playing, like, a step... Like, that's not a hard role to do. I thought she was an admin, but I've seen her in other things, and yeah, it's not... And I'm... I'm wondering, I'm like, why is she in more stuff? And then I watch this movie, and I'm like, I mean, people tried. They tried to give her opportunities. Um, so Liam Neeson is a scientist who goes on a trip with his wife, January Jones, to uh, Germany. I think maybe like Munich. He's going to speak at some conference. While he's there, and this is all in the first 10 minutes, so I don't think it's too big of a spoiler. He gets in a car accident while in a cab, and he wakes up in a hospital uh he doesn't have amnesia, but he realizes someone else is posing as him, like with his wife. And he thinks they have his wife captive and they're basically like have assumed his life in the like 24 hours he's been in a coma. And the movie goes from there and I don't want to spoil it, but it becomes a Liam Neeson movie. Let, it, let me put it that way. But it's a lot of him running around a town going, I don't understand. Where's my family? Like. The classic Liam Neeson tropes. It's what you want from a Liam Neeson movie, but uh, it's... It? What? Does he kick ass in it? So he starts to realize he can kick some ass, Matt. And you're like, but I understand. You're a scientist. And I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Say, I promise uh, I would never go back to this life. But <laughs> right. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, but it's stupid. Like, it's, it's what Netflix? It's on Netflix. I would I, I would highly recommend it because you're going to be laughing at it unintentionally the whole time. Um, and the ending, they, they make an attempt at some great twist. And you could tell that the director is like, the day that he yelled cut, he was like, fuck yeah. And then other people watch it and they're like, okay. <laughs> it's like, no, but it's because this happened. You're like, yeah, dude, like no one. So is January Jones even in it? Yeah, she's in a lot of it. Okay, all right. Yeah. I didn't... It's just, hey, you're my wife for 10 minutes. Now go away till the ending where you cry and we hug. No, because he comes back and he's like, you know, he realizes someone else is posing as him with her. And I won't tell you what happens, but um, I think it's kind of interesting, their dynamic. And also Diane Kruger, who is the chick from National Treasure and Inglorious Bastards. Uh-huh. She's in it. She's really good in this, actually. Okay. And Frank Langella has a little bit of a role in it, who I love in everything. So it's called Unknown... And if you like Liam Neeson movies, then this is right down your alley. If you don't, uh, again, stay away. Don't touch this thing with a 10-foot pole. Anything else? No, I'm good. All right. Without Banner here to introduce it, we will move on to the last part of our show, which is our Do You Even Lift Bra segment, which is our question and answer segment where we ask a question and talk about it and then leave it with you people. So... Matt, I'm not sure if you saw this, but uh, on Monday, actually, Collider announced that a Los Angeles Lakers docuseries 
from Antoine Fuqua is coming to Hulu. Fuqua, of course, did Training Day and The Equalizer, and he's pretty much uh, like everything he does. I've enjoyed. It's going to be a nine-part series that supposedly will not shy away from some of the darker parts of the team and will feature interviews with Magic, Shaq, Kareem, as well as Pat Riley and Phil Jackson. And a nine-part docuseries, I mean, you got to think, almost like The Last Dance, they're going to leave no stone unturned here. So to me, this sounds potentially awesome, and it got me thinking, what is one sports team season or story you'd like to see given the docuseries treatment? All of The Last Dance, but let's assume that this is like no holds barred. We go after everybody. Uh, and by the way, the last dance won the What's Up Doc Award at the Broskers last year. So congrats. So I guess, Matt, my question to you is a two-parter. Number one, your thoughts on this announcement for uh, for the Lakers series we're getting from Antoine Fuqua coming to Hulu. And then what is a story that you want to see uh, maybe given the same treatment where we get all the details, leave nothing out? My first part of the Lakers thing, two points. One this sounds very interesting. I want to hear it or watch it. Two, thank God this isn't LeBron James executive producing this in Maverick Carter. That's <laughs> a fucking from God that just yeah. came gave it to us. Because basically, it'd be about magic for 10 minutes, and then the rest would be about LeBron in the bubble and how tough it was just to hang out in the hotel or something. So <laughs> this could be very interesting. Um, it sucks that Kobe won't be part of it. That's also a thing that, you know, I, I, I want Kobe to get his due, but more so, I mean, I want to hear about, you know, magic and Kareem and those Lakers. I would love to hear about Shaq's first couple of years with Nick Van Exel and, uh, you know, stuff Eddie like that. Jones, yeah. yeah uh, but they'll probably get into Kobe live as well. They should. He's like one of the greatest Lakers ever, but yeah, man, I, I got Hulu too. So, When's this when's this dropping? Uh, they said it's supposed to drop, I believe, in uh, September of this year. And allegedly, Byron Scott is in it, and he kind of has some dirt on the Lakers. He uh, does not really hold back, is what people have said. He's the guy that you really want to tune in to see. Because he was kind of the dude. He obviously, he, he sort of, uh, I think, transcends, not transcends is the wrong word. He kind of crosses both of the generations of the Lakers. He played a little bit with Magic, and then he might have even been a little bit on either as an assistant or a player with some of those early Kobe teams with like Eldon Campbell and maybe before they got Shaq, but with maybe Nick Van Exel. So. I love <laughs> Let's fucking go. Yeah, I'm pumped. I, when I saw this, I was like, this is something Geiger would like. Um, so then the other thing, I'm interested to hear your take on this. Uh, what is a sports story that you've always thought, and I know you're going to say UNLV, we can assume is if that's your one, I, I hate to steal it, but we know the running rebels you want to see. Is there that, is that still your pick or is there anything else you really want to see turned into the docuseries treatment? We can get, if you tell me I'd have a piece of paper and whoever I wrote down would actually do it and they'd speak honestly and not talk shit. I'd want to basically just do the Jose Canseco juice book. That would be awesome. Didn't you do a book report on that in high school? Of course. I've read it like <laughs> times. Also, I said that needs to be a Netflix movie with Joe Manganiello, but that's a different conversation. But this one, I mean, I want to hear, you know, Canseco. Basically, let's do a two-part series, two hours each, four hours total. First, give Canseco the floor for two hours and talk shit to everybody. Then everyone else come back because everything he said kind of ended up being true. Like when he said Rafael Palmero, we all laughed at that. Like, dude, that dude's not even like ripped. He's not mm -hmm. on stage. And then he fucking tested positive. 
So that would be a really interesting one, too, especially because Canseco has been linked to uh, giving A-Rod steroids in high school. It's it's kind of ironic because Jose Canseco is a lunatic. He has a lot of mental health problems, and he's made up some horrible mistakes. But I don't think he's lying. Well, he's been like not to be. Right. So it's like Bunch of them, so. those two things can be mutually exclusive. You can be a crazy person and have horrible judgment in your life. You can also be telling – I mean, he's thrown everybody under the bus that he can. Uh, maybe he's exaggerated a little bit, but, yeah, to the most part, I mean, is there – and I could be completely wrong or just ignorant to it, but is there anyone that he's accused that you that we've been able to straight up refute? No, that definitely isn't true. No. As a steroid user? I don't think so, right? One person. So, and, I mean, if you want to sit there and – you know, hop on the island of defending A-Rod, then I would just say, like, dude, that's just not smart, I don't think, in general. I mean, the only one is, uh, he didn't say anything about Bonds, but Bonds has never tested positive, but... Right. And actually, there was one interview where he's asked about that, he's, and he said, he said, I'm not sure, I've never, he's never talked to me about it or anything, so I'm not going to say he is, because I don't have, like, he basically was telling the truth, he's like, I, I don't know. He said, yeah, and I could guesstimate because he's gotten bigger, but he said, I, I'm not sure. I've never injected him or he's never asked me. And if you're just a guy that wants clout or, you know, wants to somehow sell another book, I mean, why wouldn't you just, just and, say that, right? Well, and that could be a 10-part series too, Jeff, because it could lead right into, I mean, if you don't know why Barry Bonds did steroids, it's basically because that summer he's watching McGuire and Sosa that aren't even on his same level at all. Right. As a hitter or a baseball player, and he's like, dude, what if I did this? And he showed what would happen. He'd hit 73 fucking bombs. His on-base percentage would be like 800. <laughs> he was walked twice with the bases loaded to walk in a run. <laughs> that is insane. <laughs> he's to watch when he hit like that. Yeah. And you could even, like, let's say it's a nine-part series. You could do one or two just on the Mitchell report, right? That would be pretty interesting. For me, if you want someone talking shit, I want baseball or wrestling. Because usually both those people, like, whenever they have something to hide, they're like, well, look at this guy. He did it, too. So yeah. great. They just throw each other under the bus. What about you? That's a really good one. Mine, I don't think, is as interesting as that is. But uh, I think it's a team that kind of gets forgotten, um, especially now that uh, – UMBC as a 16 seed knocked off Virginia in the NCAA tournament a few years ago. But that 2006 George Mason Final Four run as a 14 seed, which at the time like blew my mind. But in retrospect, I, I went back and looked at the actual bracket and the teams George Mason beat to advance to the Final Four. And it's pretty crazy. So they beat a three seed Michigan State team that had Shannon Brown. I don't know if you remember him. He played like 10 years in the NBA. Then they beat UNC with Tyler Hansbrough. Psycho T. Right. Which that team was, like, built for the NCAA tournament, really. Uh, then they beat Wichita State. A very good – they got two-loss Wichita State team. And then probably the craziest win of the whole thing was they beat one-seed UConn, who had four NBA players on it. Uh, Jeff Adrian, Hilton Armstrong, Josh Boone, and then Rudy Gay, who's literally still in the NBA. Maybe he's a fringe player, but this is 2006, so it's been 15 years. And they only eventually lost to back-to-back -back national champion Florida Gators, coached by Billy Donovan, that also had four NBA players in uh, Corey Brewer, 
No, they're three NBA players. Excuse me. Brewer, um, Joe Kim Noah, and Al Horford. Uh, Parsons went on that team? No, he was a little bit later, but yeah. So I just think it's a crazy story. George Mason, uh, like this did gangbusters for their uh, enrollment numbers. It put them on the map. And at the time, I think this just, and Matt, you and I have talked about this many a times, if nothing else, just for that opening weekend and what it provides for the sports fan. But the NCAA tournament, I think, is the best sporting event uh, yeah. in our country, really. At least the opening weekend of it is. You don't even have to win it to win it. Like, George Mason did not win it. But just them making that run, like, you felt like you won it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a George Mason fan. If you're a fan of, like, you know, in, you know not a basketball school, like MU or something, and you go to the Sweet 16, you feel you feel like you won something. You went to the Sweet 16. That's a fucking big deal. You don't have to win it all to do anything. Yeah, and I think the thing that I would be interested in focusing on is, like, these guys. I... I'm sure no one on that George Mason team, none of the players are still playing basketball, but they will be legends for the rest of their life. Like you could be 300 pounds now and working as like the manager at a restaurant, but no one can ever take this away from you. And if you go on the campus of George Mason for the rest of your life, you'll never have to pay for a meal or a drink. I can guarantee you. And to me, that's the cool part about sports is when it transcends the actual game and the way that it sort of permeates our lives and society and the George Mason thing, Loyola Chicago has basically done the same thing since. Um, it's just that's the cool part. It's the lasting effects on these guys. Florida International? Was that the one? Uh, Florida Gulf Coast. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who beat – didn't they beat like O.J. Mayo USC and like – They went to the Final Four too, I think. Or close, yeah. But that's the cool thing is the schools these guys knock off. Like, because I remember George Mason beat, I mean, they beat, Mich- regardless of how good of years they had, they beat Michigan State, UNC, Wichita State, and UConn and lost to Florida. It's not like they beat Dayton, Radford, yeah, uh, Colorado. And, you know, it's like these are the fucking blue bloods of the NCAA, you know? be cool to see behind the scenes, too, because, like, okay, you beat Michigan State, and then most of the time, if you're George Mason, like, all right, we got the upset, you know, we won, we proved it. We'll probably get killed next game, but whoever. wonder when they started thinking, dude, we might win this whole fucking thing, or right. at least go for And if your team playing them, you're like, dude, we're kind of scared now because they have nothing to lose. They don't give a shit. They'll just jack up shots, and if they're hot, we're going to lose, right? Like, Actually, they beat Michigan State when they're playing a one-seed UConn. They're probably thinking, okay, this is where, you know, the rubber meets the road, probably, and we get our doors blown off but then they fucking win that game yeah uh and the coach jim laranega i think he might have just left but he was the coach at university of miami for a long time okay yeah i he might still be there i'm not sure but uh yeah that's mine i mean there's a lot out there i kind of wish the other bros were on here because i'd love to hear their picks for a docuseries we could probably do honestly a whole episode on this on sports stories or athletes that we want Just, to speak. Oh, it'd be so fucking fun, dude. Yeah, that's true. All right, Matt, before we let the people go for episode 151, anything you want to leave them with, anything we left out, uh, do you want to encourage them to do steroids? Over for emergency vehicles. They're, I mean, they're they're trying to help someone. Yes. Sometimes they're just trying to, you know, get to Arby's for the drive through closes. But Also, speaking of driving, uh, something that's really been pissing me off lately. If you're in the left turn lane... You can go on the flashing yellow if no one's coming. I've had a huge issue with that this week. Always. Don't be afraid, you know? 
Also, if there's a baby on, I read this uh, as a tweet somewhere. If there's a baby on board sticker on a car, but it's faded a little bit, you know that it's safe to ram the car because the kid's probably like four years old now. They're like 18. Yeah. So that's just a nice little piece of information to have. All right, for our enforcer in the paint, Matt Geiger. I'm the mayor, Jeff Hornacek, and we are the Bro4 Squad podcast. We appreciate you guys checking us out. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bro4Squad. If you type in Bro4Squad as three separate words on Letterboxd, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, iHeartRadio, pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts, you will find us and check out everything that we post on our website, Bro4Squad.com. Till next time, I can now officially say, since I reactivated my AMC A-list, we'll see you motherfuckers at the movies. Hey. Hey, bye. What's that from? Hi, Yukio. Deadpool 2. Hi, Wade. Hi, Yukio.